yes, we will, we will fellowship with one another in the new heavens and new earth. And yes, we will accomplish his purposes. But all of that time and in all of eternity and throughout it, we will be engaged in the life-giving, soul-cleansing and blessing work of praising and honoring God for his goodness. So bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy. Hello and welcome to another series of messages on Grace for Maryville Weekly, featuring pastor and teacher Chris Riser. It is our goal to provide messages on Monday and Friday weekly from the pulpit at Grace Community Church located in downtown Maryville, Tennessee, to equip the saints for the work of ministry and to evangelize the lost. We will be working our way through the book of Matthew as Pastor Chris works his way through the text weekly. However, given the unprecedented times in which the Lord has sovereignly placed us, we thought you may benefit from a series of messages recently delivered by Pastor Chris during the COVID-19 pandemic. Here in the United States, we have over 970,000 confirmed cases and almost 55,000 people have died as a result of the virus. However, we do praise the Lord that over 118,000 people have recovered from the coronavirus here in the States and over 850,000 people around the world have done so likewise as a result of the grace of God only. Given the anxiety, the fear, and uncertainty that could plague many during this unsettling time in our history, we want to provide these series of messages to provide not only comfort, but also encouragement to those trusting wholly in Christ alone for all of their provisions. Let's begin with a message from Psalm chapter 103. Pastor Chris will walk us through the, the command to bless God, the personal blessing, and the public proclamation of blessing towards God. If you will, grab your Bible and turn to Psalm 103. Please open up your Bibles to Psalm 103. Psalm 103. And if you stand, I'll be reading the entire Psalm, verses 1 through 22. And just as we read through it, if you might take time to just be immersed in the goodness of God, to consider carefully each of these, and then we'll seek to spend some time just pouring over and, and really proclaiming ourselves God's goodness to us and his tremendous blessing. Psalm 103, beginning in verse 1. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget none of his benefits, who pardons all your iniquities, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with loving kindness and compassion, who satisfies your years with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagle. The Lord performs righteous deeds and judgments for all who are oppressed. He has made known his ways to Moses, his acts to the sons of Israel. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in loving kindness. He will not always strive with us, nor will he keep his anger forever. He has not dealt with us according to our sins, nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his loving kindness towards those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. Just as a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. For he himself knows our frame. He is mindful that we are but dust. As for man, his days are like grass, as a flower of the field, so he flourishes. 
When the wind has passed over it, it is no more, and its place acknowledges it no longer. But the loving kindness of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him and his righteousness to children's children, to those who keep his covenant and remember his precepts to do them. The Lord has established his throne in the heavens and his sovereignty rules over all. Bless the Lord, you as angels, mighty in strength who perform his word, obeying the voice of his word. Bless the Lord, all you as hosts, you who serve him, doing his will. Bless the Lord, all you works of his and all places of his dominion. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Please be seated. I just finished reading the biography, or really the autobiography of Edgar Harrell, a survivor of one of the most devastating events of World War II, the greatest single loss of life at sea from the sinking of a single ship, the USS Indianapolis. Of the 1,195 crewmen, 300 died when the ship went down in about 12 minutes, and 890 were left in the open water. Over the next five days, 574 of them died from exposure, dehydration, saltwater poisoning, and devastating shark attacks. Of these, the saltwater poisoning was one of the most brutal. Dying of thirst, the seamen would try to drink the cool water that seemed to offer them life, only to have the salt suck the water out of their body's cells and drive them insane. Unfortunately, we too can suffer from a kind of saltwater poisoning from the world. Looking for contentedness and satisfaction, we drink deeply from the cisterns of the world only to have the life sucked out of us by the sin which drives us insane. We tend to be an unhappy, unsettled people, constantly complaining about what we have and yearning for more. The truth is that happiness and satisfaction will not come from receiving more provision, but from regularly and wholeheartedly thanking God for the infinite richness of the blessings that he has poured out upon us. So what we'll see this morning is that God is eminently worthy of all praise and honor, and we will find no true rest for our soul until we wholeheartedly bless him as he so richly deserves. God is eminently worthy of all praise and honor, and we will find no true rest for our soul until we wholeheartedly bless him as he so richly deserves. Our purpose in life is not to receive blessing, but to give it. This psalm very simply is the title, a psalm of David. And it is fitting that David, a man after God's own heart, would write a psalm praising God with all his heart. There are no requests in this psalm, not a single petition, not one asking of the Lord for anything, simply praise back to God for his goodness. Now, there certainly is a time for petition, to cry out to the Lord for help or lament, to spill out our grief, longing, and fear, as many of the psalms attest. But we have need, perhaps even more frequently, to simply lift up our voice in praise to God who has made for us every provision, saved us from every difficulty, and poured out for us every blessing. In fact, there will come a time when there will be no more prayers of lament, no more prayers of grief, no more prayers of petition. There will only be prayers of praise. In heaven for all of eternity, we will ever and only offer back up to the Lord praise and blessing for his greatness and his goodness. And remember that all of this is done by faith, not feeling. We must not simply burst out in praise on days when things seem or feel particularly good. We need to carefully catalog the goodness of the Lord that he has proclaimed in his word and by faith praise him for those things. 
Now, many of them we have experienced, but none of them have we experienced to the degree that Scripture declares them to be ours. Now, we do this. We do this praise. We do this catalog of praising God against the day of trouble as we live on this earth. James Boyce says this, the, the psalmist is cataloging the goodness of God, enumerating his blessings, lest in a moment of depression or backsliding, he should forget the source of his prosperity and take God's grace for granted. We need to stir up our hearts by faith. Again, James Boyce. We need to ask ourselves whether or not there is any real praise in our hearts. It is so easy to come to church or to sit at home participating in church out of habit. It's so easy to repeat amen without ever really speaking to God. It's so easy to hear sermons without ever really listening to God. Spiritual lukewarmness is a common disease in a land like ours where being a Christian is relatively respectable. If that is our appropriate emotional response or if, if our condition is, like, is dry and, 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 and cold like this, we, like David, need to talk to ourselves. We need to stir up our hearts to a more appropriate emotional response to the truth about the God we know. If you find your heart cold this morning, and let's do what David did, and let's count our blessings. So join me now as we obey David's command to bless the Lord with all our heart, to bless the Lord for all of his benefits, to proclaim all the praiseworthy worthy characteristics of the Lord, and to join with all of creation in blessing his holy name. First, in verse 1, the command to personally bless the Lord with a whole heart. The psalmist says, bless the Lord, O my soul. This is in an imperative, as it were. This is not simply a suggestion. David is commanding his own soul, which again indicates to us that this, this kind of praise comes by faith. It doesn't just spring uh, emotionally from our hearts. It comes as we carefully consider the goodness of God and then literally direct our entire inner man towards bringing praise to God in this way. We have to talk to ourselves, command ourselves to do these things because if we are not careful, we do not naturally do them or we will only praise God when it's kind of a spontaneous desire for blessing. No, we are to command ourselves. We are to instruct ourselves to bless the Lord. David says, bless the Lord, O my soul, his inner man, every part of his inner being, his mind, his will, his affections, his, his conscience, everything is to be bound up in this praise of the Lord. Now, as we consider this phrase, bless the Lord, it, it's good for us to understand what does this actually mean? I mean, we know the Lord blesses us. He takes good things and dispenses them to us, but certainly there isn't any way in which we take good things or we take out of the, of the storehouse of our own goodness and give it back to God. So what does it mean to bless him? Well, I'm going to read a kind of a relatively long quote from Spurgeon because when you find that you can't say something as well as someone else, you just steal what he said. So I'm going to quote what he has said about what it means to bless the Lord and then maybe try to summarize it in a definition. So to bless the Lord, says Spurgeon, is with ardent affection, humbly to acknowledge those divine excellencies which render him the best and greatest of beings, the only object worthy of highest adoration. It is to give him the praise of all those glorious attributes which adorn his nature and are so conspicuously manifested in his works and ways. To bless God is to embrace every proper opportunity of owning our veneration and esteem of his excellent greatness and to declare to all about us as loudly as we can the goodness and grace of his conduct towards men and our infinite obligations for all our enjoyments to him in whom we live, move, and have our being. To bless the Lord is to direct praise back to him, to honor him for his character and his provision. So maybe to boil all of that down in a simple definition, to bless God 
To bless him is to delight his heart by expressing love and gratitude for all that he is and all that he does. And this is what our soul is called to do. We are commended. And really, we need to take David's lead here and command our souls to do this. Bless the Lord. He's speaking to his soul. He's speaking to his inner man. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Notice that he continues on, though. Bless the Lord, O my soul, in verse 1, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. He's not adding things. He's just simply adding emphasis to the idea of his entire inner man. Yes, bless the Lord, O my soul, everything within me, all parts of my inner man, every part of my soul is to bless the Lord. We are not to offer up to God less than everything within us. All of our internal faculties are to be directed towards the Lord when we praise his name. And there is to be nothing that is left out of that praise. No part of us that is held in reserve. So not only all of who we are, but also with all of our effort, with all of our intensity, with all of our direction, with all of our hope, we are to bless the Lord. And we are to bless his holy name. So he says, bless the Lord. That is, he uses the name Yahweh, the covenant keeping God, the great I am, the one who pours out his loving kindness on us, the one who's gracious to us, the one who's loyal to us, the one who cares for us and whose love never ends. And, and then he gives the primary characteristic of God, his holiness, bless his holy name. Psalm 99.3, let them praise your great and awesome name, Holy is he. When there's a characteristic to be repeated about God in the scriptures, holiness is most often the one that is used in a repeated sense. Isaiah 6, 3. As Isaiah sees the Lord and the Lord Jesus high and lifted up, sitting on the throne, and all of the creatures around the throne praising him, what do they say? And one called out to the other and said, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And at the end of time, in Revelation 4, 8, when John sees the heavenly hosts praising and honoring God and, and every creature all gathered around the throne. What do they say? And the four living creatures, each one of them having six wings and are full of eyes all around and within and day and night, they do not cease to say, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God, the almighty who was and who is and who is to come. God is holy. His purity, his transcendence are are expressive of the excellence of all of his characteristics. His holiness directs and, and really oversees all of his other attributes in making them pure, in making them powerfully extended to us. He is holy. He is the great I am, the one who is worth all blessing and praise. And we need to understand this. He doesn't simply demand it of us. David is demanding of his soul praise back to God because God is eminently worthy. We honor him because he is worthy of all of this honor. There's nothing that we could, no kind of praise that we could offer up to him that he would not be worthy of. He is eminently holy. We cannot bless God if we do not understand his holy nature. If we do not have a, a fear of the Lord, a delightful, dreadful, consuming, and reverential awe, we'll see this all throughout our passage, that in order to truly honor him, we have to have a true understanding of his holiness. And the only way that happens is through the power of the Spirit of God, according to the truth of the Word of God. This is not something which springs naturally from your soul. We can't properly praise God unless the Spirit of God is working in our hearts to help us understand the, the fearful, awesome, powerful, loving, gracious nature of God. And this is revealed to us in His Word. 
we see this truth, we see the reality of who he is, and the Spirit of God uses the Word of God to enable us to offer this praise properly back up to him. There, there should be no superficial praise of God. This is not something we do with part of us or, or we do in a distracted manner. Perhaps even this morning, you're wrestling with distractions as you sit in your home. And so you want to direct your heart back to the Lord. You're going to have to carefully consider the nature of your inner man, directing it to God, even in this form of worship, to hear the truth of the word of God so that you might engage in it with your entire being. And this command that we have here, one of the great blessings of this command is that we are here instructed or we are to instruct our souls to do the very thing that they were created to do. See, for the unbeliever, this cannot happen ever. For the believer, this should ever increasingly be more naturally flowing out of our souls. Why? Because when we were redeemed, when our soul was renewed, we were restored back to the position in which we can bring praise to God as the very thing that we were created to do. Psalm 146.1, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, O my soul. I will praise the Lord while I live. I will sing praises to my God while I have my being. This is why God created us that we would honor him, please him, thank him, praise him, bless him. And so ever increasingly for the believer, this becomes the Holy Spirit inspired and prompted response, which really fulfills our true desire. To praise and honor God is why we are here. Jeremiah 2.13. For, so, for my people, God speaking through Jeremiah, for my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, to hew for themselves broken cisterns that can hold no water. We weren't created to find our satisfaction in anyone but God alone, and we were not created to give praise to anyone ultimately but God alone. This is what we were designed to do, and when we try to find our satisfaction, when we offer our praise or honor to others or to some other thing other than God, we're really sucking the life out of our own souls. We are hewing out, digging out cisterns that literally can't hold any of the life-giving water, any of the satisfaction and sustenance that we so desperately need. Only the Lord has this, and so only the Lord is to be praised, and this is to be the occupation of our souls now, for it will be the occupation of our souls for all of eternity. Yes, we will work for the Lord. Yes, we will, we will fellowship with one another in the new heavens and new earth. And yes, we will accomplish his purposes. But all of that time and in all of eternity and throughout it, we will be engaged in the life-giving, soul-cleansing and blessing work of praising and honoring God for his goodness. So bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Now we have a command to bless the Lord personally for all of his benefit. So we bless him with all of our heart, and now we bless him for all that he is, all that he does. So in verse two, bless the Lord, O my soul, says the psalmist again, commanding his inner man, and forget none of his benefits. This is important for us. We are to consider all of the goodness of the Lord, and what is revealed to us in Scripture is, is, is immense. And, and even the things that we can understand, we only understand them in, in to a small degree because of our own finiteness. And so the nature of our blessing to the Lord is that it is to be for everything that God is, not just focusing on one particular thing, maybe some particular way that he has, has experientially demonstrated his greatness to us, but we are to consider all of his characteristics, all of the goodness that he has poured out upon us, and we are to regularly work our way through that list of things that he has done for us. We are to forget none 
of his benefits. We are to actively bring to mind all the good things that God is and has done for us and brought to us. We don't just know these on our own. We need the word of God to reveal how good God really is and all of the benefits that he has provided to us. We need perspective to see that these are his benefits, the things that he provides, and not things that we have done on our own effort, somehow based on our own worthiness or our own abilities. James 1.17, every good thing given and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shifting shadow. God uses intermediate means to bring us blessing, but every good thing is ultimately from him and does not come from us or even from others in that sense. God alone brings it. And when we forget his goodness, we begin to rebel against him. When we leave out even one of his blessings, of his, of, of his character and of his nature, in that area, we begin to turn away. Psalm 106, 7. Our fathers in Egypt did not understand your wonders. They did not remember your abundant kindnesses, but they rebelled at the sea, at the Red Sea. At the point that we refuse to acknowledge, to praise and honor God for his goodness, we start to turn away from him. We begin to consider ourselves and our own accomplishments, or we turn to others and seek them instead of turning to the Lord. Psalm 106.21 says, they forgot God, their Savior, who had done great things for them in Egypt. This is constantly our problem. We forget what God has done. We don't bring it to remembrance. And again, to remember is not simply to every once in a while go, oh, I remember that that happened. To remember in scripture is to purposely, willfully bring it before our minds and then to honor God for it. This is a work of the will, of the mind, of the affections, and even of the conscience, which reveals to us when we are not doing this and prompts us in that way to offer blessing back up to the Lord. Continually, the scriptures give us a warning that we would not forget the goodness of God. Deuteronomy 8.10, as Moses speaks to the people before they enter into the land that, he would, that the Lord would provide for them, he says this, when you have eaten and are satisfied, you shall bless the Lord your God for all the good land which he has given you. Beware that you do not forget the Lord your God by not keeping his commandments and his ordinances and his statutes, which I am commanding you today. Otherwise, when you have eaten and are satisfied and have built good houses and lived in them, and when your herds and your flocks multiply and your silver and gold multiply and all that you have multiplies, then your heart will become proud. You will forget the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt and out of the house of slavery. This is our tendency. Consider all the good things that the Lord has given you. Even in the midst of a crisis such as this, how blessed we have been. How many of, the, of just the temporal blessings of the Lord remain upon us and all of the spiritual blessings continue to be rained upon us daily. We must not forget the goodness of the Lord like Hezekiah. As God blessed him and cared for him and even added more years to his life when Hezekiah cried out bitterly to the Lord, don't, don't take my life. God graciously spared him. But 2 Chronicles 32, 25 says, Hezekiah gave no return for the benefit that he received because his heart was proud. Therefore, wrath came on him and on Judah and Jerusalem. It's not a minor thing to forget to praise God, to offer back to the Lord the, the, the praises for the benefit that he has given to us, we should offer return. It's our delight to do so. It is our command to do so. And yet it is essential that we do so. Our own hearts begin to shrivel and we turn away from the Lord. And maybe that's part of your problem. Maybe that's part of our problem. That we rebel so easily and get bitter and angry because we do not take enough time to praise the Lord for all of his benefits, every one of them. 
This will help us in our love of God, in our pursuit of the Lord, in our honoring him in the way that he so richly deserved. It is a terrible and debilitating thing to forget even one of the Lord's great benefits. Well, now we need to get to them. We need to look at these benefits. So we're not to forget any of them. And David lists out here a series of them, really the ones that, that cover most of the, of the blessings of God in a general sense. Then we'll work our way through a whole list of the great things and good things about God. And then we'll finish out by a further command to bless the Lord. I've chosen to do the entire psalm because each one of these really could be its own sermon, because I want us to try to just be awash and, and, and to be full of the goodness of the Lord that the psalm brings without breaking it up into pieces throughout several weeks. So let's begin this list of benefits. As we're commanded to praise the Lord with all our heart, as we're commanded to not forget any of his benefits and to praise the Lord for them, here they are. So David begins this list, verse three. Who, this is Yahweh, the covenant-keeping God, the great I am, who pardons all iniquities. So we thank the Lord, we praise him, we bless him for the forgiveness of sin's penalty. He has pardoned us. See, our sin causes us to be in violation of the commandments of a holy God, and therefore we come underneath his penalty, the wages of sin, which is death. And he has pardoned us from those. This is the greatest of all news. God has removed from us the penalty of our sin, eternal punishment in hell. Isaiah 43, 25. I, even I, am the one who wipes out your transgressions for my own sake and I will not remember your sins. He pardons our sin because of his own goodness and grace, not because of ours. But he can only do this, and he only does this on the basis of the fact that they've actually been paid for by the death of Christ on our behalf. We have been pardoned because someone else paid. He does not and cannot pardon us simply because he feels sorry for us or because he's such a nice guy or any other such nonsense. He is, the, he is just and the justifier only of those who've put their faith in Jesus. And it is important for us, even in this praise, even in this thanksgiving for God's pardon, to acknowledge what he is truly pardoning us from. He's not pardoning us from, his, from our mistakes. He's not pardoning us from our chains, as is kind of the common lingo today. He is, he is pardoning us from our sins, our acts of disobedience against the character and nature of God. And as we acknowledge this, then we can truly thank him for he has delivered us from our own evil, our own wickedness, not simply just some mistakes that we have made or ways that we didn't fully carry out things that we should have done. We were wicked and evil in his sight and he has pardoned us by the grace of God in Christ, Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, being justified as a gift by his grace through the redemption which is in Christ Jesus, whom God displayed publicly as a propitiation, a wrath-bearing sacrifice in his blood through faith. This was to demonstrate his, that is God's righteousness, because in the forbearance of God, he passed over the sins previously committed. For the demonstration, I say, of his righteousness at the present time, so that he would be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. Thank you again for joining us today. We pray that indeed your heart has been comforted and you've been encouraged by the teaching of God's holy word. Please join us again next time when Pastor Chris will conclude this message.
If you would like to be notified when the second part of this message is available, please subscribe to this podcast. If you would like to know more about the many ministries at Grace Community Church located in downtown Maryville, Tennessee, please visit us online at gracemaryville.org. Again, visit us at gracemaryville.org. There you will be able to find not only more about the ministry, but you can also access a full audio archive of messages delivered at Grace Community Church. Until next time, we pray that the eyes of your hearts will be enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you.